right. The songwriter says, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never failed me yet. I've seen you move. You move mountains. And I believe that I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. I testified these words, what God declared over me while I was growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, in southern Indiana, has and is coming to pass tonight. God remained faithful through the rough times of abandonment, rejection, loneliness, and abuse. Though I wandered in my wilderness of sin and self-gratification, I never outran the holy heavenly father's firm yet gentle grasp. I am living proof that our God never fails and I have full assurance in him that he never will. I was surrounded by mountains of disappointment, despair, and doubt. Mountains of hurt, pain, and anger. Mountains of sin, guilt, and shame. They were so massive that they blurred my view of my God. Yet, with one word, every one of those mountains bowed down and were reduced to rubble under the authority of the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The one who was, who is, and is to come. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Almighty One. And when I backed myself into a wall... And everyone counting me out, even myself, he intervened on my behalf. And I'm standing here only because he made a way. I wonder if there's anyone else out here who has a testimony of God's goodness. Is there anybody who will help me just in this moment give God glory? The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you have been redeemed by our God, would you give him praise? Can we just say 30 seconds? I know that we have a plan and there's something we're supposed to do. But my God has been too good. The least I can do is give him praise. I owe him my entire life. And if it wasn't for him, I don't know where I would be. So God, I give you glory. God, I give you praise. This night is about you. This is what you are doing in this land. Your hand is still moving. You are still an active God. And you are still good. And for that reason, we give your name the praise. We give your name the glory. Hallelujah. Somebody raise a hallelujah in this place. Will you help me bless his name? God, we thank you. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. I believe I'll see you do it again You made a way When there was no way And I believe I'll see you do it again That's enough I just had to say that I just had to testify of my God's goodness well, family, this is this is exciting. This is this is cool. Uh, um, I am um, wow. I'm so grateful to be in this place to be able to share 
the word with you tonight. This series has been, it's been incredible um, just to, to break down what really could seem like so simplistic. You know, for those of us who have been walking with Christ for a long time, we've been in the church, we understand who Jesus is. We talk about him all the time. That's what this book is about. Yet, when do we ever stop for a moment and just really dive into who he really is? And so I am so grateful um, for just the insight, the wisdom of our pastors here, our lead pastors who've decided to come up with this series. And, and wow, all of the pastors who've come before me and who have spoken in such an incredible way and and then, I don't know what they were thinking, but they were like, man, we'll even let JC get up there and talk. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's wisdom or maybe they slipping. We're going to see before the end of the night. Um, but I love what Pastor Corey uh, said when he introduced um, this series. He spoke of, he used this beautiful analogy of the diamond. And he talked about how the diamond has many, many facets. And he said, each week we'll just turn and this beautiful diamond, this beautiful diamond that is Jesus, and we get to see another brilliant facet of who he is. And so we've been able to turn it over and over again and and see these different moments. And tonight, I believe that uh, I get to turn it one more time for you and bless you um, with with a moment uh, of study and and diving into the word. Um, Of course, again, I am I'm grateful for the leadership that is here uh, I was raised that you always have to honor your leaders. So I want to honor my leaders as I get an opportunity to be up here. Thank you for giving me this chance. Of course, um, I'm excited because I have my beautiful wife and my two kiddos chilling in the front. We don't normally get to do this because we got a two-year-old. And so normally we running around uh, trying to keep them. But uh, it's glad to, to have them here with me. And so before I get into my text, I thought, you know, I make it a little light. You know, we've been talking about the names of, of Jesus. Uh, is anybody familiar with the, the movie Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby? And if you've seen that movie, can you raise your hand? Okay, well, it's a few of you guys. For the rest of you, spoiler alert. Uh, uh, so I, I love, that's one of my favorite movies. Uh, Will Ferrell's in it. It's, it's a comedy. It's incredible. And there's this scene, very famous scene. If you've seen it, you're already laughing because you already know I'm ready to go. Um, and so in this scene, um, we have Ricky Bobby who is getting ready to pray. And so they had this, this bountiful spread that was prepared of Domino's, pizza, and, and uh, KFC, and Taco Bell. And it's all over the table. And uh, he begins to pray. And so uh, Ricky Bobby bows his head and he begins to pray. And he says, dear, tiny, little baby Jesus. <laughs> and his wife gets upset. And he says, oh, he keeps referring to him as a baby. He's a full grown man. He had a beard. <laughs> and then his buddy Cal was there and was like, you know, well, you know, I like to think of my Jesus. I like to see my Jesus. He's wearing a, a tuxedo T-shirt. You know, it shows that he's formal, but he, he likes to party. See, I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. Uh, even the sun chimes in, and he says, I like to see Jesus as a ninja, and he's fighting evil samurai. So there's all these different 
moments that if you've seen it, you'd understand it's, it's quite hilarious. And I laugh at it, but then I couldn't help but to realize that many of us, we do that. Right? We form Jesus in an image that works good for us. We see Jesus as what I need for me personally. And so I can declare him to be a healer because I'm sick, but I'm not willing to declare him to be the Lord of my life. It's easy for me to declare him to be uh, one who provides when I am in need, but am I willing to trust him to be the actual king and Lord over everything that I do? It's easy for us to, you know, even in this Christmas season, Many people who have mangers out and they see him as baby Jesus. But do they see him as the Savior, the Messiah, the one who died on the cross for their sins? Many times we don't do that. And so what I'm hoping to do with us tonight is be able to help us shift our perspective. Now, I know none of you in here are those folks, but I'll give you some tools maybe you can take. Uh, to your jobs and maybe even in your homes or with your friends to be able to share this gospel in a way so that we can begin to shift the perspective, not to what we want it to be, but what the Holy Scripture has declared it to be. Amen. So um, I am, uh, well, I mean, let me be honest. I was going to say I'm frugal, but I feel like my wife is going to get a funny face and be like, boy, you ain't frugal. Um, I try to be frugal. Uh, and so, in that being, I love a good deal. And so, tonight, you guys get a good deal. Uh, tonight, you get a three-for-one. You like that? You get, so, you, you signed up for, for one name of Jesus, and I'm going to give you three. Um, and so, let's go ahead and dive into the text. So, it's going to be up, but if you want to get your Bibles, you can read with me. I'm going to be reading from... Mark, the 14th chapter, I'll be reading 1 down to 7. I'm going old school with my little Bible, and I guess my eyes are starting to play tricks on me. It says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I not have told you that? I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Verse six, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Seven says, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. For now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And to make me feel like I'm in my home church, I want to read verse seven again and I need your help. He says, if you really know me, then you know him. Can I get somebody to ask your neighbor, do you really know him? All right, that's the last time I'll do that. I just needed to feel like I was back home. So we're going to dive into this word. God, I thank you so much for what you are doing. Thank you that you continue to speak. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us every time we open up your word. And so tonight as, as we study this, this passage, 
God, I just pray that you give us supernatural ears to hear what you are saying. God, open our hearts to receive our eyes to see you clearly. God, I ask you to touch me, touch my voice, allow your word to flow through me. Let me be a conduit to, to share your good news. I let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And we all said amen. 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 All right. So I love this, this text. I, I love kind of this moment where we are, um, what Jesus is sharing here. He's declaring these beautiful words to his disciples. And so as I dive in, I want to just give a little context of what's happening. So what's happening in this moment, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. Um, and uh, they seem to you know, kind of be having a good time. And it seemed like there is, this is probably a familiar way in which they hang out. And so for them, this is just another moment of just relaxing with Jesus, uh, hanging out uh, with friends. Yet Jesus is in a, a different place. He understands what's getting ready to happen. And so there is a difference in the tone in which he is speaking uh, to the disciples. Now, what is interesting is clearly they must have been kind of in a good space because the things that led up to this moment are interesting. And so actually, if you go back uh, just one chapter, it's actually Jesus has just told them that he's going to be betrayed by one of them. He's actually letting them know that one of you is getting ready to sell me out. Uh, And I guess apparently they were having such a good time that that just kind of floated over and Judas, you know, got up and he he said he didn't want to take the bread. And so Judas kind of gets up and he leaves to do his thing. And then they're hanging out and, and, and Peter's talking to him and Peter is, 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 is kind of doing that rough and tough. I don't know if you guys have kind of those homeboys that are like, look, I'm down for you no matter what. Ride or die. You got me. Anything happens. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know, Peter. The reality is, though, you're going to deny me three times. Um, and then he begins to go into this moment where he's, he's talking to them. He's explaining to them some very deep things. And... What I, what I love about this moment, especially when we get down to, so I'm going to go back and talk about the mini mansions because, you know, if I be honest, you know, that was the part that when I was growing up, that was a part that used to stick with me. Like, oh, mini mansions, that's what, okay, I'm thinking about my room. Okay, so I'm definitely going to have. And so it was all about that. And I didn't really think about reading in depth what else was there. And so we dive into this moment And I love kind of, I want to pick up at five, um, just kind of how Thomas is responding. And so Jesus is is telling them, and and clearly he has been speaking to them in the past, letting them understand what was going on, but they just could not see it. they, They were walking with him. They were hearing the words that he was saying, but it wasn't lining up. And the reality was, is because they were looking back at the prophecies as which they heard and they knew about this Jesus and they knew all the, the great things that he was going to do. And it was, they had a perspective that needed to be shifted. In their minds, they understood that, you know, 
look, we riding with Jesus. Wherever he's going, we're going to go. We, you know, the prophecy says that the, uh, the government is going to rest on his shoulders and that his kingdom would have no end. And, you know, it's like, look, I'm riding with you. Where are we going? And so now he is beginning to speak to them in a way that is they're not quite getting it because now he's saying, I got to go away. And he's like, well, what do you mean? We're going with you. And even he speaks to the fact of saying, you know where I'm going, which means I've already told you, but you missed it. Sometimes we can miss it because we could be looking at the things that we have made in our own minds and completely miss what is happening. This happens a lot in relationships. They refer to it as selective hearing, right? You know, I hear you say the food is ready, but I don't hear you when you say, can you please pick your socks up? Like, what? uh That part slipped my ear, but, and so the time is, is when there's something that I'm looking for, then I'm listening for it. But the things that I don't want to hear, I begin to block out. And so they were missing it. And so what I love by what, what is happening in this moment is we don't see Jesus responding back to them with anger. Like, look, I told you once, y'all didn't y'all get it, but yet he's responding with love. And what I love about kind of this exchange that is happening is that there is this beautiful familiarity that is happening between the disciples and Jesus. I love that Thomas is willing to be vulnerable enough to say, as he said in five, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know? Even though Jesus just told them, you know, and then you tell me you don't know. Clearly, you're not listening, but let me explain it to you again. Then he dives into what our main text is. He says, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so I've broken this down into three easy parts. Um, And so you can guess them. The first part is way. Is it up there? Way. Okay, so let's talk about the way. Yeah, come on, A.V. I rock with y'all. Those are my peoples. We've been, we've been rocking a long time. So the way, um, of course, I, I love, when, when I was a little kid, I'll tell you a little story real quick. When I was a kid, my mom used to uh, make me read dictionaries. Um, and she did it as a, a loving way. Um, it was just like, son, I want you to increase your vocabulary because I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. There's ways in which we talk in Louisville, Kentucky that my mom did not want me to perpetuate. See, that was a word, right? Um, and so what she did was she got me a dictionary and she would say, I need you to go into the dictionary. I need you to look up words. I need you to understand the definitions of words. And then I want you to bring them back to me. And I want you to show me that you understand what the word means. And I also want you to use it in a sentence. So I've always had this kind of love to, 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 to do that, to get in it. I'm actually, it's so bad that I'm forcing my son to do that now. He knows it. Um, he doesn't like it as much as I do yet, but so, of course, I had to look up the way. I mean, it seems like a simple, just three-letter word, but what does it really mean to say the way? Um, and so I, do, I dove into it in the way the dictionary defines it as a method or a plan or a means for obtaining a goal, a manner, a mode, or a characteristic. 
or a, di- uh, a direction or passage. So it breaks down into three main things. And so you have a method, um, which is kind of what you do. Uh, you have a manner, is how you do. And then you have a direction, and that is self-explanatory. That's the way that you're going, right? The direction. And so what I think is in, important for us to understand is that when Jesus speaks his words, he doesn't just do them flippantly. He means what he says, and he says what he means. And it's important for us to understand the text doesn't say that I am a way. It doesn't say that I will show you a way. It doesn't say that um, there are many ways, and so I'm going to give you a few options. He says, I am the way. Right? Now, what is important to understand is that in this room, I get a lot of amens and a lot of all rights. And even if I hang around with people who are believers like me, I get a lot of amens and all rights. But now, and definitely then, this concept was extremely controversial. This was a moment in which it was, how could you dare declare that this is the only way? There were many traditions at the time and there were many uh, religious uh, relics and, and, and all these ideas that existed that people would argue, how dare you try to come in and try to turn all of that on its head by declaring that you're the only way. So this was something that being declared and being believed could get you in a lot of trouble. And I think that it's incredible that even after all of these years, we're still in the same place. One of the things I like to do um, is when I'm on on YouTube, there's these videos that I watch. And a lot of these videos are um, with people who are debating different religions. And so, you know, you'll have a Christian guy and he's talking to uh, maybe a Muslim guy. You have a Christian guy talking to uh, maybe a Jehovah's Witness or talking to um, Latter-day Saints, all these different folks. And what I realized as I watched these videos is that it's the same thing in every single video. There is a lot of people, which it surprised me, there's a lot of people that believe in Jesus. Well, they believe in Jesus. There's a lot of people who believe he's a prophet. And they'll say, oh, no, we believe the same thing. He's a prophet. There are a lot of people who believe that he's a great teacher and a rabbi. Yeah, no, no, we agree with that. Even more so, there are people who believe that he is, in fact, the son of God. Yet where they differ is Well, I don't believe it's the only way. I think that's the way that you choose, and I have a way that I choose. Yet, when I read it in the text, I still don't see any options in here. I only see it saying, the way. And what is interesting, when you hear these arguments from the different individuals, what they always say or at least all the videos I've watched, I haven't seen all of them, but what I keep seeing on all these videos is they keep saying, well, that's your, that's the way you look at it. Well, how I interpret it is. So then they have to add something to it. Well, the way that I look at it is, or the way it was digested by whatever my spiritual leader said was significantly different. And so that's what I have chosen to go by. Yet, I stand on 
the reality of the word that it says that I am the way. I read a a scholar that says that this is how it works. Either you believe all of it or you believe none of it. You don't have an opportunity to pick and choose. It's either do you believe it or do you not? And if you don't believe that he is the way, then you might as well throw the rest of it out anyway. Because that means that would make him a liar. And the word that I read says that that God is not a man he should lie. And the son of man he should repent. And and, and it says that when you see me, Jesus, you see my father. So I'm the same. I'm just like him. The apple didn't fall far from the tree. I am exactly who my father is. And so if he doesn't lie, then I don't lie. And so then if I can't believe this, then I can't believe any of it. But if I do believe this, then I have to realize that everything else is not the way. And so there are many people who are trying to find their way. That is a, that is a, a thing that said there's bumper stickers out there that says those who wander, no, all those who wander are not lost. <laughs> are you sure? Because it seems like. But this is this idea that you carve your own pattern. I figure out my way. That's your way to get the guy. And this is my way. I'm going to figure out how to get there. And it's unfortunate because there are many people who will die on these paths trying to find a way to get to God and never being able to. Whether it is them listening to other ideas that exist. There's so many people that have every idea and every which way in which they want to explain to you how to get to God. The funny thing that I realize is that, you know, everybody is trying to get to God in some way. You think about it, right? Everybody is trying to find a God somewhere. It is, it is inherent in, in the way that they move. When you begin to talk to people, you hear them talk about passion. Now, what they do is they use fancy term, the universe, and they, uh, my inner self. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. And listen, I, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to have hot takes. This is not me jabbing no one. I'm just pointing out the reality of what I have been able to see over the years as I've talked to people and as I've, you know, consumed the, the media that is, 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 is everywhere. It is ubiquitous. There's another word for you. Um, and so it is one of those things that you just continue to have to deal with. And I hear it. And honestly, I don't feel any way threatened or I don't feel angry. What I really feel is I feel hurt. My heart breaks for them. It breaks because I know that there are people who are spending all of their life trying to trailblaze a path that is going to lead to nothing. There's nothing more frustrating than you to be going on a path, going on a path, going on a path, and you get to an end and realize that it wasn't it. Have you ever been on a road and you was in a rush and you were like you were supposed to be at soundcheck at like 7 a.m.? And you're focused on something else and then you miss the, the exit and then you got to go further down. And, and you're like, why, Lord, this, oh, my goodness. It hurts. It's frustrating. It's all this time that's lost. 
I remember I traveled on some roads when I was going from Florida to, um, to, um, to Arizona, and it was like no exits. And so if you miss, I mean, it was like you're going miles and miles. And the frustration. But imagine this is the reality of some people's lives. And they're warned. You'll see a warning in Proverbs. It says this. And I'm going to read it exactly so. It says a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to a path of destruction. There are people who believe they're on the way, but unfortunately they're heading to a path of destruction. I got to move. Next one. I am the truth. The truth should be up there. Boom. There it is. My notes is all jumbled up. What I love about this truth is, again, he doesn't say I am a, he doesn't say I am, um, I have some ideas that you, if you culminate these things together, they become the truth. He says simply, I am the truth. And what is really heartbreaking is the reality that there is a lot of people, I, I saw an alarming statistic of folks in 2022 of evangelicals. It says that 23% of evangelicals do not believe that the word of God is actual literal text. So these are people who are self-professed evangelicals. They say that they are believers, yet they don't believe the text. And the unfortunate reality is, is that number is growing. There is a rising belief that somehow that the word of God is not true. That is alarming. And I think some of the things that we are seeing and some of the things that we have to be careful for is that some of the reasons why people are not believing the truth is because there are people who are selling them things that are not true. There are things that are happening that are not true. And so therefore it throws them off. And so we see a warning from Paul. I love what he says uh, in the church in Ephesus. He says, look, I know after our part, there's going to be salvage wolves that come among you that will not spare the flock. He goes on and says, there's even number of the men who will rise up within you who would distort the truth. This is the way the enemy works. He will distort the actual truth. And when the truth is distorted, then it leads to confusion. And so that's what he, that's his thing. He has no power. The enemy has no power. We're going to look upon him and go, this is the one. But what he does is he creates confusion. And when the confusion is there, then we end up hurting our own selves because now we're trying to figure out what parts did we grab? There was a term that came out in 2017. They coined it. It was a phrase, alternative facts. This idea that, well, I'll take what the facts are, but I have an alternative way in which I look at it. And so I'll offer you this. Have to be careful about where we are receiving these things. Understand that there is only one truth. The word of God says this. John 8 says, uh, and I want to read uh, from here because there's a few verses that I that I love and I want to jump into. But in, in 8, it says this. 
starting at 31. This is to the Jews who had believed in him. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are my real disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, Verily, uh, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has a permanent place, uh, does not have a permanent place in family, but uh, a son belongs forever. So if the son sets you free, then you are free indeed. This is the reality of when we walk into this truth is that we're able to walk into a reality of freedom. And then when we walk in a lie, we stay in a place where there's constant confusion, where there's constant uncertainty, and we stay trapped in sin. And so this is what Jesus comes to do. He comes to help set us free from these lies, from these alternative truths that looks like it's the truth, but it's far from it. And the last thing is the life. Uh, my sister, Pastor Miata, she preached a couple of weeks ago about the Good Shepherd. And so what I loved about that, and I was diving into it, got into John again. And I love John 10, 9 and 10. It says this, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out. They will find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I come that you may have life and have it to the full. Or the Bible that I used to read when I was younger says more abundantly. So what does that mean? It's funny because I'm running out of time, but I'll tell you the title of my message. The title of the message is this, Conquering the Counterfeit Culture. Thank you. Countering the counterfeit culture. The reality is this, is that we live in a culture where there is counterfeits everywhere. There are, it, it is literally everywhere you go. No matter what the product is you're looking to buy, there's a counterfeit for it. Whether it is a pair of shoes, whether it is a handbag, whether it's a medical device. Even I found that they have counterfeit formula for children. They counterfeit everything. And here's the danger of a counterfeit. This is, I grabbed this from Forbes. This is the danger. It says a counterfeit product equals a low quality product. It's poor quality of these items can reveal, can, can reveal very dire consequences. Those consequences have severe negative impact on the brand's reputation and in turn, a customer's trust. Do you see now what happens when you have accepted something counterfeit then when it doesn't end up being the thing that you expect it to be, it doesn't hold up to what you expect it to hold up, then you get upset. You don't get upset with the person who sold you the counterfeit. You don't even get upset with the fact that you bought a counterfeit. You get upset with the creator of the counterfeit, with the company, as if the company had anything to do with it. Sad reality is, is there are counterfeits not only in items, but there is in people sharing the truth. There are people who are coming in and they do everything in their power to create a product that looks like what it's supposed to be. It has all the trappings. It, you know, they, they've tried to do everything in their power to make sure that thing looks like 
what the real thing is supposed to look like. But it's not. It always fails the test. I'll leave you with this last point. I remember at a time when we still used to use cash. We used to use cash. You would go into a store and you would give them their money. And I don't know what it was about me, but I feel like every time I went to a store, they'd be holding my money up. <laughs> Looking at me and holding my money up. Looking for the strip. Or later on, they started putting their marker. They put their marker and they want to see. And this is the reality and this is the dire situation of dealing with counterfeits. If you have a counterfeit, it can, it can confuse a lot of people. You can convince a lot of people that you have whatever that thing is. But there's going to be a time when that thing is tested. And when it's tested, it will never stand up to the task. And so this is the reality. And there's two kinds of people. There's one person that knows it is fake. And they go get it anyway. Because they don't, they're not willing to pay the money. So they're like, look, I don't, I don't want to spend all that money. But I want people to think that I have the thing. So, so they'll go out and get a fake on purpose. Listen, I know because I used to drive the Jamaica Ave in New York. I know about Canal Street. All right. I don't know why y'all know that. Okay. What I'm saying is there is a reality there. People say, I can't afford it, but I want to look it. So I will go and get the stuff. I'll pay less of a price. And I know it's not quality, but I'll have it. And here's a sad thing about those people. When you're walking around with something fake, you always feel like when people are looking at you, they're judging it. Because you can feel the eyes. And even if somebody walks up and compliments you on that thing, you think, like, oh, you're trying to, whoa, what do you mean? What do you mean it's a good-looking bag? What are you trying to say? Because there's this guilt of knowing I'm not really who I say I am. And it's the same thing. And then, and then here's the other side, though. Here's the other side that's uh, it's really unfortunate. Is that there's also those unwitting individuals who buy and they think that they're getting something authentic. They paid the price for what they thought was authentic, but actually end up getting something that is not real. And the sad reality is, it's just like both of those, they're going to sometime be tested. It's going to be a moment where they're tested. And when they're tested and that thing fails, when they put that, that $100 bill on the table and they mark it and say, oh, this, ain't, this ain't good, you think it's strange because why would we ever get upset with Benjamin Franklin? He didn't do it. He didn't do that. But when it comes to the word, when it comes to the truth, understanding the Holy Scriptures, this is what happens. You find people who say, well, I was sold something that was counterfeit. And now instead of being upset with where I got it from, I'm upset with God. It's, God, it's not God the one who's done the wrong thing. It is that there are men. And this is why we see this warning that we must test these things. And what I love about Forbes, and here's what I know about the truth. You know the number one way to, the number one way to defeat a counterfeit? It's to educate them and put the truth in front of it. It's easy to spot a fake the moment you put the real thing next to it. So what does that mean for us? That means that we must be in a place where we are consuming the true and the living word all the days of our lives. We have to consume who he is so that we can understand when something comes in and tries to convince us that it is the truth and it's not, that we immediately know that's not it. 
That's why he says his sheep will know his voice. You only know his voice if you are consuming his goodness, if you're consuming his word. The reality is, is how do we get there? How do I get to that place? It's not just because I grabbed the book and started reading, because there's a lot of people who've read this book back to front, cover to cover, and can quote a lot of it. And so it's not just about the works of reading. It's about the reality of getting in a relationship with Jesus. It's the reality of recognizing that I am in a place where I cannot be in relationship with him. And that it's only and only when I am willing to confess that either I have bought a counterfeit or I've been living a counterfeit. Either way, I don't want it anymore. And so I'm willing to confess the reality of who I am and repent from my sins. And say, God, I'm tired of living this way. I need you to come in and make me what I need to be. Because here's the thing. No matter how much effort you put in to make a counterfeit, it doesn't matter if it has all the things. It could be the best duplicate ever. It never will be the real thing. You know why? Because it wasn't created by the originator. And the only way we can be stamped by the originator is when we fully put our lives in his hands. When we're willing to lay down our lives and say, God, this is what I really want. I don't want any of those other things. I'm not trying to be, seek validation from anyone else. All I want, all I need is you. And when we put ourselves in that situation, then this is the beautiful thing that he does for us. He promises that, that he takes those sins and he casts them away and he exchanges us with new life. And then he puts his stamp on us. And when that stamp, that seal of the blood of Jesus is on us, then it doesn't matter what anyone else has to say, what anybody else has to think. The reality is I have now been made new. And there is no devil in hell that can come in and take that away from me so I can stand with confidence knowing this greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I don't have to be afraid of the wolves that are going to try to come in and try to lie to me because I now know the truth. I've now been educated and now I can stand in a place where I can believe what the word of God says. Last point. I never said I would be before you long. Oops, I just did. Last point, honestly. Thank you, um, Stephen, for coming up. When we think about these three statements, the way, the truth, and the life, this is the beautiful reality that we have. That if we find ourselves lost, if we find ourselves wandering, if we find ourselves in a situation with no direction, we don't have to fear. Because... Jesus says, I'm the way. We find ourselves in a situation where we are confused because there are so many things. Social media is telling me something. Media is telling me something. My own mind is telling me something. The world is telling me something. And now I'm confused. I don't know what to believe. We have Jesus who says, don't worry about that. I'm the truth. And then we're in a situation when you say Man, I'm, I'm, I'm alive. I mean, I'm walking around, but I'm a shell. I mean, I'm just doing this job every day. I'm commuting. I'm on this train. I'm, it's, just, it's just the same mundane. I don't even feel like I'm alive anymore. I just feel like I'm just here. He says, don't worry about that. I'm the life. He makes it incredibly simple. Incredibly simple. All you have to do is give me everything. Just give me everything, and what I will give you in exchange, it will blow your mind. 
So God, we thank you. Thank you for the reality of your goodness. That even in the situations where maybe we thought it was just easier to just buy a counterfeit. We just thought, "Ah, I don't know if I want to give up my whole life. That just seems like a whole lot. So I'll just give you a little bit and I'll get something that looks like a changed life. God, I'm sorry. I bring this to you. I lay it down at your feet and say, this was not good enough. This was not going to stand the test of time. I need the real life. I need your real truth. And I need you to show me the way. God, I thank you that you respond on my behalf. Maybe the other way, maybe I've never really looked for it myself. So I just accepted the first thing that was given to me. And I'm finding out that the thing that was given to me promised me all these things, promised me uh, wealth and promised that this Jesus was going to come and just enhance my own life. And I'm realizing that has never been the true reality of what Jesus does in my life. So I turn to get rid of that thing and decide to stand and receive your true word. The counterfeit will not do. I don't know where you guys are at in this room. I'm sure there's, we have a room full of believers. But if that's you in either one of those sides, would you join me in a quick prayer? I just want to pray. God, I thank you that you still speak and that your gentle hand is still there. I'm glad that you you do remind us it is it's of your mercies that we're not consumed. Your, your compassion, it never fails, but it's new every morning because great is your faithfulness towards us. We thank you for your faithfulness. We choose to turn away everything that is not like you and find the true and living God. We thank you that you respond on our behalf. We bless your holy name. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks, family.